Welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of Happy Ho Life Podcast. Today I am beaming. I'm literally like bouncing up and down in my chair today for our guest that we have joining us, which is Emily Flood. She is a fitness witch, which is just my favorite title in the world. But Emily, I can't remember exactly when we connected, maybe sometime last year, but you were doing this series on your Instagram telling I think it was 30 days of stories you felt shame around sharing and I just remember I was just like so like looped into your voice like I just could not stop reading your content I feel the way that you blend fitness and wellness but you bring in this full spectrum of the witchy side of healing the spiritual side of healing and all kinds of magical goodness that we are going to get into but if you want to just say hello introduce yourself and and share a little bit of your magic in this world and your own words hi thank you so much michelle yeah we've been following each other for i think a little over a year now and i loved your witchiness and your full self-expression that you have on your instagram and just how wildly authentic you are. It's really refreshing to see. And I like filling my feed up with that over the fitness space that I've been in. And so yeah, everyone, I am a fitness witch. So I went from being a national level bikini bodybuilder, very disconnected from my feminine energy, really feeling like I couldn't be my true self after growing up in small town, not small town, but suburban Texas, where everyone is very straight laced and far right and everything to really embracing my witchiness and my gifts. And now I do all sorts of things like energy healing and past life regressions with my clients and my warrior goddess transformation program, because we need both the masculine and feminine energies in our lives. We need that balance. And the fitness industry itself is so overbalanced on the work harder use logic over everything. And of course, like, yes, we've got the science back nutrition protocols and all, but that's not everything. And I'm sure your listeners know your story with your autoimmune disease, but your listeners know there is more to just the logic and the science when it comes to our health, because everything really is all connected. Mind and body aren't separate. Mm -hmm. My whole heart was just like, melting as you were speaking Emily and I'm actually curious to hear more of your story and the journey you went from from the fitness days of doing the bikini competitions and that disconnection I feel you've described that you had with your body to was there a moment or ah, something that occurred that really like the voice of your intuition clicked in and part of you was like there's something more for me here there's something more to explore there's something more to healing like what was that experience like for you Hmm. okay I'm gonna go into the story in a way that I haven't quite talked about before because my fitness journey started to click for me when I was living in France I was in a small town teaching English and there was no way for me to connect to any people at all in the small town outside of the gym so I went to the gym so that I could talk to people during the week that weren't children that I was teaching. (laughs) And yeah. And so that's kind of where I got started. And all these little French ladies were talking about how strong I was when I was picking up the five kilogram weight, which is like 11 pounds. So I'd never had the identity of being strong, but it got reinforced there because all these little old French ladies kept saying, you're the strong American. And so when I got home to the U S 
And I, I took that identity with me still. I still identified as strong, even if by American standards, I wasn't strong. I took that with me. And then I know a lot of women, especially who identify as like people pleasers and impasse, we kind of get this idea in our head that if we're fit, if we lose weight, that people will like us more and that we'll have the friends and we'll be popular. And I think that's kind of what I thought because I had a lot of friends in college who were power lifters and who were very strong and very fit. And so I was asking them for advice and I had this like moment where like when I got home from France that basically got kicked out of the friend group because I turned a a guy friend down who like wanted to date me. And he got like, so upset that I rejected him that I was on my own. And so I kept going to the gym because I was like, you know what? Screw this. Like, I don't need to be stressed out. If I don't have plans on a Friday night, I'm going to go to the gym. And so it was very much like my coping mechanism for like loneliness for a while. And I was a high school French teacher. And it was like the only place that I had where I would talk to adults all day long, because as a teacher, you think like, oh, you've got your other coworkers and everything. Well, no, as a French teacher in Texas, I had me and I did thankfully have a a roommate who was also a French teacher, but it was a very isolating experience. And I fell into bodybuilding because I had an event where I saw some of these old friends and they told me to get into bodybuilding. And so I got into it because someone else told me that I should do it. And it became a very empowering experience for me because I had never, ever seen myself as beautiful. I thought I was always just destined to be the smart girl. And I remember thinking in high school, like, thank goodness I'm smart because I'm never going to be beautiful. And so doing the bodybuilding competitions that helped me to kind of see my own beauty because I was in the gym, I was lifting weights, but to put on that little sparkly bikini, you have to walk in heels and you have to pose and have some sort of coordination. And that taught me to see myself in a way that I hadn't because you're not necessarily supposed to be sexy on stage, but it feels a little bit more sensual movement wise. Yeah. You want to have your hips sway and everything because you don't want your you don't want anything to shake on stage. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah. And so then I went, I did bodybuilding twice and it was a very isolating experience. Like I didn't have friends showing up to competitions. Like I thought that they would, I had this idea in my head that all of my friends were going to come back into my life and come to my competition and celebrate me after And it was never that way because I always saw on social media that all of these bikini competitors, like they had all of their friends together and celebrating and um, I didn't have that. And so I decided, you know, I was just going to post on social media. And so social media really was like my backbone for that and gave me a sense of community. And then after I got off of the the national bodybuilding stage and was able to quit my job to, to coach full time. I kind of fell into a bit of a depression because I didn't realize it, but I had undiagnosed ADHD pretty much for my entire life. And so when I left that structure of working the job and I was able to set my own schedule, my brain just went like, I don't know how to focus anymore. (laughs) And so I got misdiagnosed with anxiety and depression first and got on antidepressants. And that is kind of where I started to find my sense of spirituality again, because the antidepressants for me being someone with ADHD made it worse. 
I know that they can be great for other people, but it was like, suddenly I didn't even desire to wake up in the mornings. Like I was like, I have nothing to look forward to. And it was weird because I had a great life. You know, I quit my job to run my business. I had a great body and like all these things, but it felt meaningless. And it was because of women like you and kind of like what I do now, where I saw a woman posting Oracle cards on her stories. And it had been something that for like my entire life, I'd felt so much fear around. Like, I can't do this, even though I'd always been in Barnes and Noble, like staring at this section, like always combing through the books for years. And I'd owned, uh, I'd owned Oracle cards and I'd owned tarot cards before. And I'd, you know, I'd tried reading them and I'd like collected them. And I had this like secret desire my whole life. And so as I started to like get into that, in that depressive period, it allowed me to kind of create a sense of trust with my body again, that had kind of been broken through the extreme dieting and the antidepressants. And then it started to, to build from there. (laughs) Emily, I'm just, I'm just sitting here so in awe of your story. And as you were speaking, I felt I just felt, I was like, ah, like, it's no wonder whenever we found each other on social media, just like, I felt so instantly drawn to you and connected to you because I'm like, wow, hearing more pieces of your story. I'm like, I feel so much of myself in your story as well. Like when you were speaking of that feeling of being isolated and, and just like yeah. feeling alone, like, I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that forward because mm-hmm. I think so many people, like we walk through life and and there can be this false sense of like, oh, we have community, we have family, but like, there's not that like deep sense of connection, one to ourselves, which I feel is, I'm excited to hear more about that journey for you of reconnecting to yourself and this inner witch, but, but also feeling connected to other people. And I went through a similar phase in my life with autoimmune disease of, you know, getting misdiagnosed and getting prescribed all the wrong things that were not going to help me and in the depression and the loneliness and the kind of hopelessness that can and arrive in life and, and sometimes it just like catches you off guard and you don't even know how you ended up in that place but I'm curious for you one question that actually sparked as you were speaking and, and then I want to talk about your inner witch and that discovery is even imagining those little French ladies saying to you like oh you're so strong <laughs> and you being like yeah. yeah like okay I'm strong like physically but I'm curious as well, like, like from your inner witch's perspective or from just this like deep embodied perspective you have now of what strength means. I'm curious when you think of what it means to you to be strong or when you're supporting your clients and becoming strong, like what, what does that mean to you? Like, how would you define strength now versus how you looked at strength back then? Mm. I love that question. So we can look at it from like the standard definition of strength, like in the gym, like being strong, like lifting up the weight. And I think that also applies to like your inner strength as well, because we have all of these things in our life that can sometimes feel crushing in a way that if we let things drop, that they're, they're going to crush us and we're going to fall. And it's kind of that knowing within that no matter what life throws at you, that you will be strong enough for it. Because just like in the gym, you do those reps and your muscles are sore the next day, but you did it. And so each challenge that life throws at you is going to be testing your inner strength, just like the, your workouts test your outer strength at the gym. And you will always get through it. Even if you might be a little sore and feeling beaten up immediately after, but it's all making you stronger in the long term. And so 
having that inner strength to know that you will always be okay. And also sourcing that inner strength, like from within you, instead of externalizing your strength and like needing other people. Cause I think that's when we start to feel like we're weak is when we need other people to make us strong. And so coming from that internal sense of you have everything that you need within you and you can reach your goals and nothing is ever going to crush you is kind of my definition, I would say of strength. I just, I like felt chills, like from like my solar plexus upward as you were speaking, Emily, just what you said about, especially not outsourcing our strengths to other people, because that's when we start to feel like we're weak or we feel like we can't trust ourselves. It's noticing those places where we might be leaking our power or or seeing other people, like even like you said, like people telling you, oh, you should do bodybuilding. And of course, ultimately you received so many nutrients from that experience and learned a lot, but it's like, huh, like starting to really trust our own intuition and trust our own inner voice above anything else. And I am so excited to hear more about you connecting to your inner witch and starting to play with Oracle cards and everything that unraveled since then, because it just feels like, uh, it just feels like, I know for me as well, it felt like I lived so much of my life in a way that it felt like I was half asleep or it just felt like there were these parts of my soul that were just like hidden and locked in some basement with like, you know, the key thrown away somewhere and the spirituality, the witchcraft, the just embracing all these parts of ourselves just feels like living life in more vivid color. And I'm curious, what, what allowed you to connect to your inner witch or what, what was that moment when you just knew that there was something more like following the spark for the Oracle cards? Cause I'm thinking of, I know many of the people in my community have expressed like they're scared of, well, what will people think if I pull Oracle cards? What will people think if I, you know, practice spells or, you know, whatever, whatever witchcraft looks like to each individual, but what, what's that journey like for you? I really think that it came about for me because I was in that such like low depressive state, feeling completely alone and isolated where I was just like, you know, this is something that I've wanted to do my whole life. Let's do it. Let's find something that gives me joy because I needed that like little spark in my life. And the day that I went to Barnes and Noble to pick out my first deck of Oracle cards, the only one available was called the seasons of the witch, which was this dark looking like Halloween themed. And I was like, dear God, they're going to judge me like checking this out, you know? And I went and I did it anyways. And it, it did, it brought that little spark of joy back in. And I started to, as I was drawing just like one or two daily cards, be like, wow, this is really accurate. And like starting to trust my intuition more. And then from there, kind of getting a bunch of witchy books. And the thing that really impacted me the most was when I started to kind of find like shamanic journeying. And so shamanism is across the world. It's pretty universal. Um, I think we know it here in the States as kind of like the Native American power animals and spirit animals things. But I practice a form of Celtic shamanism. And it was, I did like a zoom power animal retrieval with someone and my power animal turned out to be a snake. And I was terrified because, you know, snakes are evil if you grew up Christian. But when I looked up the meaning of what the snake meant, it was this rising female power, kind of like Kundalini and like shedding of the snake skin and coming into your magic and your feminine energy. And I read that and I was like, oh my gosh, that's me. Because 
you can't see it, of course, but I have a Ouroboros tattoo on my back, which is that snake eating its tail. And so when I saw that it was a snake and when I read that's what it was, I was like, oh, I have had this tattoo already for years. And I loved uh, shamanism because it's essentially something that you can do on your own. And so you are doing this type of meditation called journey work. And I find it a lot easier to do in float tanks because you're not as likely to fall asleep when you are floating in the Epsom salt water and you are going to basically an altered state of consciousness, which the float tank allows for that. And ancient cultures, they use the shamanic drum beat. And of course you can create that with other ways, but where you get to go and ask your guides, ask your higher self, ask the universe and kind of connect to quantum healing in different realms. And it's like finding that power within yourself, because when I was kind of exploring what it meant to be a witch, I was like looking at Wicca and like, did I want to join a coven? And I did actually go to a coven meeting here in Austin. And I, my nervous system was wildly dysregulated when I went there. And it was like, my body was like, no, this is not for you. I felt very disconnected. And I am so glad that I didn't join because if I had I would have been outsourcing my authority again and giving all of my authority to the coven leader who must know everything. When I think the most powerful thing about magic and being a witch is that you find that power within yourself. And so that's why I lead clients through a lot of meditations and journeys too, so that they can come into their power as well. Yes, yes, yes. Like sulfur. Yes. And I'd also love to hear, Emily, about what it was like to navigate the fear of judgment from other people, because I know for many people, myself included, there's that that lingering witch wound, that part of us that feels so deeply terrified of being embodied in our magic, putting it out there, allowing people to see us in our magic, and then having that feeling, whether it's like you're sharing content around something and you're talking about you know magic or sharing oracle cards or or even just being in your fullest fucking expression and unapologetically saying what you have to say I just know so many people so many women in my community who have felt that deep fear of but what if I put myself out there and something something fucking terrible happens to me and, and sometimes it can be so dysregulating like the same way you went into that coven meeting and we're like nope like this isn't for me like I just feel that like like we talked about that like inner strength that inner moment of power that's like no this isn't for me but on the other side of the coin I feel like it's the same way it's like connecting to that inner strength and that part of you that knows the way who is willing to sometimes walk through the fire sometimes walk forward and let relationships die let people fall out of your life like let people talk about you judge you or think that you're like just like the weird witch on the internet but I just I see the way you show up now with such confidence and such there's just so much power and radiance in in the way that you show up and what what was your journey like to to cultivate that kind of just resiliency and ruthlessly having your own back Ooh, okay. My journey feels like it was very slow. And now I've tapped into exactly like what I would have needed to make it faster. But at the beginning, it was very wildly dysregulating. Like I didn't think anyone was going to like it. It was something I was very scared of. And like, at first it was just telling like a guy I was dating. Right. And he was cool with it. And I was like, what? 
you know, very surprised. And then it was, I went to a women's retreat here in Austin and like all of the women there were like, yes, Emily, you're a witch. And I was like, what you see me, it's not weird. And, um, it was like through that community that they encouraged me to come out onto Instagram. I posted that lost 200 followers, got you know terrified again, and kind of didn't talk about it on Instagram that much because of it. And like, every time I did, it would be again, wildly dysregulated. And like that fear would come up because of the, the witch wound. And I have had past life experiences where being murdered as a witch or being like um, killed for speaking up and using my voice and all of those sorts of things. And what has made the most amount of impact for me, I would say is two things. One, being in a mentorship space and being in like a community of spiritual women who are authentically themselves. So I do have a business coach who is a witch who helps promote me standing in my witchiness and my power. And I love listening to a lot of like very successful spiritual entrepreneur podcasts where they're always talking about like owning your gifts, owning your power. And like, I call it like my podcast coven. Like I have all these women virtually around me. They don't know I exist, but they're very important to me type of thing. Uh, So like that mentorship and that community aspect, because I don't know witchy or spiritual people in person as much, you know, I'm the girl at the gym. Who's the weirdo. Right. (laughs) And then the second thing has been really connecting to my guides and journeying on a deeper level, because I think it's really easy with a meditation practice or something to think that it's boring and you put it off and you don't want to do it, which is why float tanks have been so helpful for me since I do have ADHD and the type of meditation with going on journeys. I think it's very good for ADHD because you're imagining things. You're not just trying to clear your mind Mm -hmm. and in the float tank itself, there's this like level of relaxation where I'm not like thinking like, oh, I should get up and do something because no, like I've committed to an hour of floating and receiving from the universe. And the cool thing about that is that when you are in, when your brain is in theta state, when you are in that altered state of consciousness and going on journeys or connecting to the Akashic records, you're connecting to like the collective unconscious and the quantum field and healing happens so much faster there. And it's like, you don't have to go to therapy to like dig up the past traumas every single week for months. I've been able to clear some stuff so much faster in my float tanks and connecting to my higher self and the universe and just asking for help and like transmuting things because I got out of an abusive relationship last August. And that has been something that, you know, like the trauma's kind of just been there, like niggling and, um, And there have been moments where in the float tank, it's just like been like a snap, like, okay, I don't need to be scared of this anymore. Like, okay, like I can do this. And I've had like death rituals and float tanks as well, where I come out of it. And I'm like, that was like a year worth of therapy in one hour. (laughs) And so the float tanks, especially and like connecting to my guides have been really helpful because it's like, each time I do it, I get this like re up of like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I need to share my voice, own my power, like fuck the haters. And like that happens like each and every time I connect to the quantum field, my higher self and everything. And so I definitely recommend that for, for people. Wow. Oh, I feel like every time you speak, Ellie, I'm like, city shake. (laughs) Like, yes. And you know, 
I'm feeling very inspired because I've never tried a float tank for myself, but I just feel like come on as a Pisces, a water baby. I'm like, if there's water, like sign me up. So I'm very yes. excited to go find if there's a float tank near me, but, but I love this. Like one, I feel that aspect of the community as you were speaking about, because I have like one witchy friend in, in the area here, but mostly my spiritual friends I've met through the internet, which is kind of magical and witchy in and of itself, but it's yeah. like having that sense of community. And I feel also as we are, whether it's stepping into a new texture of your expression or owning that you're a witch or owning your spirituality or owning the fact that you're psychic or whatever it is, it's having safe spaces to practice being seen in that by people who you know you're going to be met with love and an acceptance and celebration. And I remember even in my journey, like I was so nervous to to share with my partner and my husband. I was like, I'm going to do Oracle cards. Is that weird? And he's like, I don't really know what that is. Or I'm like, honey, I just, I did a past life regression, you know, like hiring someone, a, a mentor. And it's like, I'm crying. And I'm like, oh my God, babe, so this happened and this and this. And then he's like, I don't really know if I believe in past lives, but like, I'm really glad it's helping you. And this is really cool. But you know, that was like a few years ago. And now it's like, even just the other week, we were at a coffee shop and I was pulling Oracle cards for my husband. And you know, he was like, not blinking an eye. He didn't care if people looked at us weird or were like, what are they doing? What are, what are those cards? He was just like, yeah, wow. Like that message really lands. <laughs> and so I think it's, it's so beautiful to one, have that community where we feel safe to, to explore new parts of who we are and I'm curious if this was true for you as well Emily but I know for me as I was stepping into being really expressed in who I am and unraveling and uncovering these hidden gems of my soul that were locked away in you know the little basement it's like mm, for a time it actually felt a lot easier to be seen by people who I didn't know like it felt much easier to be seen by people I was meeting in online communities or people on strangers on the internet versus I had I had some some fears around being seen in this by like my family or or my partner or my friends. And I'm curious what that's been like for you in your self-expression evolution. Has it felt easy to be self-expressed online versus in real life, right? Like with the people that actually know you where you live. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think I have been evolving so quickly because again, like using the float tanks in the quantum field, it's like, I get like a level up each and every week. And so it's like, when I go home to talk to my parents, it's like, I see that past version of me, like reflected in them who, who no longer exists. Like she's there. Sure. But like beneath a lot of layers of like levels up and everything. And so it, it can be hard because especially since you deal with business coaching and everything like money mindset and like having to move past your parents' money stories. And so then it becomes really interesting to hear your parents' past stories. And especially when I got out of the abusive relationship, I really took a look at like, okay, how did this come about? Like, oh, I was raised as a people pleaser because my grandma was likely a narcissist and my dad was raised as a people pleaser and never transmuted that trauma and taught me to be a people pleaser because that was the best way that he knew how to keep me safe. And so it's very interesting to be in this place of like, wow, okay, I know better than my dad when it comes to people pleasing and like seeing that. And then also in person with like friends and everything, it, it is strange and vulnerable again, because I evolve so quickly and 
a lot of the friends that I have here, I created immediately after getting out of the abusive relationship. And I can like 10 months later, I'm like looking back and I'm like, dang, I was doing really well because I had mentorship and I already was a mindset coach and everything. But I'm also like, oh my gosh, like I was not in a great place, not very like aware of like the patterns that I was repeating. And now it's like, it's strange because I have grown so much and evolved and like, I'm standing in my own power, but it's like a lot of those people still see me as like the girl who really needs help. And so it's like that discord of like getting the advice and kind of like being like, I don't need your advice. Like I'm going to be in my own power. And like, I feel that like energetic pull almost with these people to like go back into the, like the, please help me like people pleasing mindset, because if you ask people for help, then they like you, you know, I think that's something as people pleasers, we know where we like try to minimize ourselves for others to help them to feel appreciated. And so it's been, that's been like my battlefield kind of is the, the gym where it's like standing in my own power because the internet feels so much easier. (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much. And uh, just this energy of, it takes courage to show up as a new version of yourself. not only of course online and in social media, but also in our, in real life relationships. And I know for me, I always, I always say like when I go home to visit my parents who I love dearly but it's I was a very very different person when I grew up in that in the house that they still live in and and sometimes I I noticed that temptation to like slip back into old identities and old patterns and old ways of being Mm -hmm. when I'm around people who knew a past version of me and and I feel like again it's coming back to that inner strength that inner connection to self that part of you that's like "Ah," I can pause and take a deep breath and and choose a new path and choose to show up incongruency with the identity that you have for yourself now versus and I love how you said it Emily it's like those those past versions of us they're still here like in some ways yes they they died we've they've we've been reborn but it's we still carry those versions of us with us from this place of of love and grace and gratitude of like wow you survived you endure (laughs) thank you thank you thank you and it's safe for you to rest now it's this new this different version of us or this like it's like simultaneously the leveled up version of us and also this like part of us that was always there and it's just now been illuminated or rediscovered. It's like, <laughs> I just feel like it's it's yes. almost like we're going on a treasure hunt to to meet the deeper and deeper and truer and truer versions of ourselves. Like every every step that we take and every evolution that we mm-hmm. walk on. And one thing I wanted to ask as well, I feel like there's two things. One of them floated away, but I'll go with mm-hmm. one other thing is, Circling back to when we did those 30 days of telling the stories that you felt afraid to share or that you felt shame around. Again, I just, and I'll have Emily's Instagram linked in the in the show notes. So definitely everyone go, just go follow her and just re- bask in her medicine, receive the gift of her presence on your feed. But I just, I feel like you have so, so much medicine and so much wisdom in the realms of alchemizing shame and, and transmuting those those feelings like there's something that you need to hide or there's something shameful about who you once were or who you are now and just I'm curious for you even in that experience of posting and having this kind of challenge for yourself on the internet first what what inspired that into what was it like because I know for me I've invited myself into similar challenges where I'm like 
this is the month where I'm going to share all the stories that I have filed under, like, do not share too much to share. And, and sometimes I'm like, Ooh, I'll share like one of those stories. And then I'm like, Ooh, I'll like chicken out and run away, which is fine. Right. Meeting myself at my own pace and my, you know, pace of my own nervous system. But what inspired that beautiful social media expression adventure? Mm. Because I feel like you have so much wisdom around the fitness witchiness, but also I just feel you as such a, a leader in the realms of self-expression and just being so so deeply and outrageously true to yourself mm, thank you so much and what inspired that was my own coach who was talking at the time about how the story that you most need to share is the one that you're most scared of sharing and that is what your ideal clients need and that is like the medicine that the world needs is what you are most scared to do, which of course plays back to being fully witchy in my business, of course, but it it was terrifying sometimes sharing those stories because I had this story in my head that the people at the gym were going to, going to read it like that I knew in real life. And I do a lot of unshaming work. I have a, a little six week program on unshaming fitness. That'll be relaunching in July, um, to get people into like self-love with their bodies and like release the, the negative thought processes without like bypassing things and going into like toxic positivity. Um, and so I know, I knew I needed to like transmute shame, except I can still see so many areas, especially in the gym with all of these men, because it's mostly guys in the gym, you know, where they're scared to talk about their feelings. They're scared to be themselves. And so it felt very vulnerable for me to talk about those stories, especially the struggles that I was having at the time of those 30 days with my friendships and feeling very isolated and like ignored and like wondering if I was repeating the same toxic patterns. Um, but it felt really good to share, to show people that emotions were okay and how I was transmuting emotions for myself and moving from like days where I was like crying and feeling like I was abandoned to feeling more empowered again. And that was a very fun experience for me to, to share all of those stories. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm, I love hearing that. And as you were speaking, I remember <laughs> the other question I wanted to ask about, Wonderful. about people pleasing, but, but again, everyone definitely go check out Emily's Instagram because I just, I feel like even in witnessing another person unshame themselves in a way or witnessing another person just speak the pieces that are on their heart that maybe they're afraid to share but that deepest part of them is like no this is medicine for me first and foremost to just type this up or speak it out or whatever it looks like I feel like there's there's so much medicine and even witnessing another person and the other question I wanted to ask was about the people pleasing, because I too am definitely a recovering people pleaser. I'm raising my hand over here. And yeah. I know many people in my community as well resonate with that archetype of the people pleaser. And I'm curious one, and I think you already mentioned that, of course, people pleasing in a way, it, it gives us this sense of safety, right? Or your dad taught you to people please, because that's his way of saying like, I want you, I want my daughter to be safe in this world. And this is the only way that I know how to teach you to be safe is to people please, is to put yourself last, is to cater to other people, is to, you know, shrink yourself so that you don't get hurt. And one, I'm curious, what if any like fringe benefits do you feel there were to people pleasing or even thinking about in what ways people pleasing has served you in your life thus far versus second question is what 
nutrients, what magic, what medicine has lived on the other side of you, deciding and choosing to kind of like put that in her people pleaser to rest, kind of let her like, I just imagine like tucking her in, like, like wrapping a little silk blanket around her and being like, you can take a rest, like go on some vacation. We don't need you anymore. We are strong. We are brave. We are big. But yeah, I would so love to hear about that experience of people pleasing. I love how you are asking me for how people pleasing has served me because that's one of like the biggest elements of unshaming something instead of feeling like people pleasing is all bad. Being able to reach that place of neutrality of seeing like how it served you and then how it's limited you to choose to move past it. If you choose from a place of empowerment, instead of like feeling like you're bad and you have to, because if we're scared to see people pleasing in our lives, because we think it's bad, then our brain is not going to see where we're people pleasing. If we feel shame for it, because it's like, we don't want to hurt ourselves. Um, this, yeah. I feel like this is like such a powerful powerful idea and concept is like the idea that we can say like oh wait there's actually things to be grateful for here like this is not all bad because just like you said it's like if we feel like I'm going to experience shame if I acknowledge this thing like of course we're going to like try to sweep it under the rug as much as we can (laughs) but if we actually want to change if we want to let ourselves evolve it's being willing to go down and in and see all of our patterns and see ourselves yeah and so people pleasing really served me because I think with people pleasing, that's big with people who identify as empaths and introverts. And so you get really good at reading people, even if it's not on like a conscious level, it's like subconsciously, you know what people want and what people like expect from you. And so it's interesting, like seeing now how like, I almost like start to subconsciously revert to old actions. And I'm able to see that now. And it's like, because I can see myself on like different layers of like, oh, this is my people pleaser trying to push me into making myself smaller to make people feel more comfortable and feel accepted by me. And so I think in college, this really served me because I was really good at helping other people to to feel good about themselves and to build themselves up. And so I was always like the hype friend, the friend that you wanted around to, to make yourself feel good. And you know, I would, I had, there was this event in college where I was dying everyone's hair and it was very much me self-sacrificing my mental health and my free time because I knew no one else could dye hair as good as me. And so it put me in a lot of anxiety and I was dying like my ex-boyfriend's hair, you know, cause I wanted it to be good. And like that people pleasing aspect, I think I was very celebrated for it. You know, that self-sacrificing woman ideal that we grow up with and I think it helped me to grow on social media in a way back when I was starting my Instagram, people started to love my recipes and that well, one, it helped my Instagram to take off, but then it was pretty poor for my relationship with food. And I, you know, through that experience, I have a food blog that still gets millions of hits on Pinterest every month, which is wild. So you guys can check out my food blog amyogifit.com. It's still there, but it really damaged my relationship with food in a way because I was so focused on like, oh, I need to make another recipe for the people on Instagram. I need to make another recipe. So I was constantly scrolling Pinterest for food ideas and constantly inundating myself with food porn essentially and making myself hungry. And so it was scary to kind of like release that like, okay, no, I don't want to make recipes anymore because I'm in a place of my relationship with food where I don't want to think about food all the time. Um, so it, it definitely served me in that way where it 
built my Instagram up and I was able to make a cookbook and everything. Um, but it's been scary to, for that transition to be like, okay, recipes isn't my entire life anymore. And I'm really glad that I've been able to get away from that because I see my food blogger friends who are now like huge on social media where they make all of their money from food blogging. And I'm like, I cannot imagine what their relationship with food is like always having to make low calorie recipes for people. And like, Hmm. Yeah. It's like that was not your soul's path. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. And because you don't hear it, but like a lot of them really do struggle with disordered eating behaviors because of the food blogging, but you're never going to hear them talk about that because the only thing that they post on their feed is food. Mm -hmm. Never the story. Then I love that you said this too, because I, my business, I actually started as a nutritionist and I, there's, I recipes on my blog and like recipes on Pinterest, but I too, also at that time really struggled with my relationship with food, like having a history of eating disorders and then getting diagnosed with autoimmune disease and being put on all these restrictive diets in order to heal. It was like, yes, eliminating certain foods for a certain time. Did it perhaps serve my body? Yeah. But did it destroy my mental health? Yeah. (laughs) And, and I feel like it's, again, that noticing the places, even in our business where we are people pleasing. And it's like, well, like, what are the people going to do? If I stop making recipes, I have to keep making them. And it's like, but if in doing so you are abandoning your own soul or struggling with a disordered relationship with eating, but not even able to acknowledge it because it's your source of income. So you have nowhere to go. It's, I feel like there are a lot of entrepreneurs that walk around feeling really trapped in their business and don't know that you're allowed to evolve. Like if you're starting to feel weird and squirmy in your business, like you are allowed. And I think even it's like our natural state is, is to evolve, is to grow, is to meet new versions of ourselves. So it's of course our businesses will evolve. And I I think that's something so beautiful about witnessing you, Emily, like kind of like shed that people pleasing era of your business, the same way I shed my like good girl, people pleasing nutritionist era of my business and really step into the magic that you share now, because it's like when more parts of your soul are alive, it's more of your medicine is here for people to receive. But also it's like you get to experience life in more vivid color. You get to experience the gifts of your own medicine because you're no longer like, oh, like I'm not a witch. Oh, I'm not intuitive. Oh, I'm not psychic or I don't have these gifts. It's like, no, then you get to receive those gifts for yourself first. And then like whoosh, 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 whoosh them out <laughs> for the yes. entire world to hear and experience. And it's true. It's like my life is in so much more color now because I was terrified of being witchy in my business. I thought I had to follow like the same fitness coach model of like the low ticket fitness coaching model where you are a fitness coach and then you hire assistant coaches. And I just felt so disconnected from my clients because they were under an assistant coach. And it was very scary bringing the witch out. And I did lose some clients because of that. But it was almost because, in a way, they had hired the people pleasing codependent version of me. Mm-hmm. And so releasing them while it was kind of like scary from like an income point of view, it's been, I've been able to call in a lot more clients who really are like soul aligned clients who get me and who do the work more because they value my medicine more. And, and so just like last weekend, cause we had the full moon, like now that I'm like more fully out and more like fully, like, yes, I am psychic. Yes. I do past life regressions and everything. I did this full, full moon ritual. I had like rose petals on the ground and 
I did this voice activation um, ceremony actually, which you might enjoy. And I was chanting Om um, as the moon was rising. And there was the storm in Austin that night. And as I was chanting, the storm just grew and grew and grew. And it just felt like this magical, insane experience where it felt like my voice was causing the storm to grow. And oh, I get I get chills thinking about it now, but it's just finding that level of magic and enjoyment in your life. Like when you are fully self-expressed, like I love my life so much more, even though there are still things that I want to change and ways that I want to grow in my business, of course, but being like in that present moment, like loving who I am is completely priceless. I just got so many chills (laughs) as well. Like, don't you love it when like mother earth coincides with her voice activation or I remember like, well, I think I was like recording something. I think it was like an EFT tapping. I was recording in like a storm, like whoosh in, like I live in Michigan and I was like, yes, like the thunder speaks. And I think it was like, I was like, you know, declaring like letting go of the dynamics of playing small, letting go of the dynamics of fear. And then the thunder like boomed. And I was like, yes, (laughs) but it is like uh, just deep connection to, I mean, I feel so much of, so much of to me being a witch is also just connecting to nature and, and yeah. feeling the connection and the support that is all around us all the time and I think one other, one other question was going to drop in was it scanning the ethers I was around even you know as you boldly and courageously live this colorful beautiful life that you've cultivated for yourself I'm curious ah what is it like for you to to lean into the support that is around you, whether that's from spirit guides or ancestors or even past life versions of you? Like, do you feel like you have any practices of almost like one, like remembering that there is support around you? Because I know even for me, sometimes I have moments when I feel like, ah, I'm all alone. And then I'm like, oh, wait, like literally there are beams of light all around me. I'm so supported. Let's remember the support is here. But do you have any any words of wisdom or also just any final things that are on your heart that feel like they want to be shared? Yes. And that like feeling of isolation is so real because we grew up with this idea that we're separate. Right. And so like through tapping into your witch powers, like you realize your witch powers, just your witchiness, your intuition, like you realize like nature is there to support you. Nature is medicine. You're never alone because nature is there. And then if you choose to tap into guides and spirit guides, then it's like, oh, wait, I'm not alone because they're there. And you can go deeper into like the collective unconscious. And you're like, oh, the whole universe is there for me. And it's so empowering because then you realize it's an illusion that we're alone. Even if I feel maybe like I don't have friends to support me in real life, I feel very supported by my guides. And there was this cool story where I did a past life regression. I was visiting my Akashic records and I saw this past life where I was an Avalon priestess uh, for the Morrigan, who is one of my deities. And in this past life, I met, um, he was like my guard at the time because every priestess had a guard with her because the priestesses were kind of a little bit like people pleasers, right? Where they wanted to help everyone and to give the medicine to everyone because they saw the good in everyone. And so they, therefore they all had guards who were there to kind of hold back the people who really weren't good, who weren't going to reciprocate, who were going to, to harm them. And so in this past life regression, my, this guard actually turned to look at me 
and was like, oh my gosh, you found me. And now he's one of my spirit guides. And it was very interesting for me because he told me his name was Andreas. And in the meditation, I was like, okay, that is not an Irish name. That's weird. I just made that up. But then I went and Googled what Andreas meant. And it means like male and like masculine energy. And like when I, well, one, I was crying when I found him. And then two, it's really powerful because after getting out of an abusive relationship, I don't trust much male energy in my life. Right. I have this like subconscious belief that I have been working on clearing that if I get into a relationship again, it's going to be with someone that I can't fully trust, or they won't fully support me or, or that even that support doesn't exist for me out there, especially being a female entrepreneur, who's also a competitive athlete. You know, I feel like I make a lot of men insecure. Mm -hmm. And so to have that guide, be that support of like secure masculine energy where anytime I'm feeling like I'm lost and like, I don't have the support that I need. I'm able in meditation to get a hug from my spirit guide, you know, and like, be like, have that advice of like, no, you are supported. You can do this. And it's just, it's so powerful to have found that. And of course I have other guide stories as well on my own podcast, but that's been like the most recent one that that's truly been life-changing. Oh my goodness. I feel I like simultaneously, my eyes are watering. My soul is like shaking. Like, wow, 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 Emily. That is just so, so beautiful and so powerful. I just feel like, again, it's there's so much medicine that is, I know for me, for many decades of my life, the first two decades, if you will, that went undiscovered, that went unexplored. And it's like, I feel like when you kind of crack the door open to connecting to your spirituality or connecting to past lives or whatever form of medicine your intuition and soul takes you towards it's the kind of remembrance the kind of healing that happens when we open those doors and walk through it's just so powerful and I like I I feel it and I see it in your radiance and in the way you show up it's like oh it's so beautiful and I always like to to close out calls or close out conversations with the celebrations and acknowledgments and I'm curious for you Emily is there is there something that you really want to to celebrate about yourself or something you want to acknowledge about yourself hmm I I think the biggest thing that I am celebrating is like looking at where I am now and looking at where I was a year ago in a narcissistic abusive relationship completely unaware and the like massive amount of growth that I have gone through in the last year of really stepping into my own power and owning who I am and like creating so much more peace with my body and mindful eating and also being the strongest human physically that I am. I'm powerlifting now and I'm bench pressing 175 pounds, aiming for 200 pounds soon, which is insane to me, but I'm just so proud of like past Emily for like going through that and continuing to up level and up level, despite like all the like rocky ups and downs that I've seen over the last year and continue to, to show up as my higher self, not just for my clients, but, but for me and my own evolution. So, wow. <laughs> Look at me. I'm like over here crying again, Emily. Oh, what a gift. What a gift to celebrate you and just your evolution and all the places that you've gone within yourself to get to this place and what ah, just 
my heart feels so expanded from this conversation and to any of our listeners one i invite you to ask the same question for yourself what do you want to celebrate and acknowledge about yourself and and also taking taking a page from your book emily of how can you look back on past versions of yourself and just be proud and just be in awe of all the versions of you that have come before to to land in the person that you are now which is magnificent amazing and enough and thank you so much emily for for just sharing your wisdom and your light and your medicine with us today and as I said, you can find Emily. I'll link her Instagram below. But Emily, do you want to share anything brewing with for you behind the scenes that you want to talk about? Or where can people best connect with you? Yes, definitely. You can best connect with me on Instagram or TikTok. It's at myogi underscore fit because I used to be a yoga teacher. And my main program right now is the Warrior Goddess Transformation Program, which is a 12-month goddess ascension program where we use feminine energy magic with embodied strength training to create that physical like yes weight loss and muscle building transformation but also to help those introverted empaths and people pleasers to fully own their inner strength and become the goddess and embrace your your magic and your gifts on such a deep level so truly fitness and witchcraft and I'm so excited for all the things um, coming up within that program so yeah thank you Oh, amazing. Yes. And everyone definitely go check out all the magical things in Emily's world. And I can tell just the, the nutrients that live in this program, by the way, your whole energy lit up when you spoke about it. I'm like, I'm just like, <laughs> oh, it's going to be so good, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm, such a gift and take care to all of our listeners. And if you have any takeaways or you feel called to share, feel free to take a screenshot of the podcast, tag me, tag Emily as well, so yes. that we can can celebrate it and, and shout you out as well. But thank you, Emily. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. And no one, like, don't hesitate to reach out on Instagram. I read my DMs. I'm not one of those people where because I've got followers, I ignore <laughs> my DMs. Like, I love hearing from listeners and um, I know Michelle does as well. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, I love that. Tag us. DM Emily if there's any takeaways, any questions, any ah, any moments of gratitude as well. I'm just sinking into the gratitude that is here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Michelle. My pleasure.